Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So I get you to tell each other things that you're thankful for because you want to know what happens when you tell people what you're thankful for? No, what? <laughs> I thought somebody at least might smile and be like, nothing, dead. <laughs> Here's what happens. You become thankful and gratitude comes into the room. And you know what follows gratitude? Joy. Joy. I shared with the first service, and I'll share with you guys now, that um, I've shared this before when I was preaching in a sermon, but I just wanted you to understand, I read, a, I read an article this week again on um, what complaining does to our minds, and complaining and just negative thoughts, and I shared this, and I'm, I'm being transparent and honest, but probably now, it was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, Melissa and I were driving somewhere as a family. And the kids were watching their DVDs, so they had headphones on, so they weren't listening. So I could basically, we could talk about anything we wanted. And so, you know, sometimes the technology is great. Um, so we're driving, and we're just talking, and I was doing most of the talking. And all of a sudden, she just reached over, and she just kind of tapped my leg. And she said, Chad, we've been driving for an hour, and you haven't said anything positive. And I just went, oh, you're right. See, here's the thing. God will give us certain abilities, and so one of mine is I can critique things, and so as a leader, it's helpful. I can evaluate, and I can critique, and I can figure out where do we need to improve, and on some areas that you probably don't even pick up on, you could, probably some of you could care less, but they bug me, and so I examine, I critique, but the problem is when I critique too much, I become critical, and there's a difference between critiquing and being critical, and what we have to watch is where we slide, and so I started, I was just started to be very negative and my wife pointed it out to me and I was like man she's she's dead on and so from that time on I've done a couple things one I've really tried to improve in that and two I read a lot of stuff to figure out what it actually does to our brains and there's certain things that we can't change in the way we think but one of the things that shifts the way we think is gratitude and that's why you hear me say this and I honestly don't know if I read it or if I just made it up but either way I'm gonna claim it um, <laughs> Gratitude will change your attitude. And so I encourage you, I've done it before. If you, if you stop doing it, just start doing it again. Each morning, write down three to five things that you're thankful for. Before you even get out of bed, just be like, I'm thankful for it and rhyme them off. They can be as simple as you woke up. Not everybody gets to wake up every morning. They can be as thankful as, hey, today my legs work. Right? Like, I'm not trying to be super spiritual. There's certain aspects of this that are very basic, what we classify as, well, that's just normal, until it's not normal. I'm thankful that my eyes work. You're, well, Chad, that's normal, until they don't work. And then you realize how grateful you were. And so I just want to encourage you, because here's the thing, too. Do you know what grateful hearts produce? Did, did I, I know, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just, I'm just coming to you. Do you want to know what it produces? It produces a smile. It produces a smile. And you'd be surprised how often I look out and there's nobody smiling. I see all of you. 
But it's amazing, honestly. The moment, and I have, my wife a year later, so just probably about six months ago, you want to know what Melissa said to me? (laughs) This is actually fun. I should not get carried away on this. This is what Melissa said to me. We were talking about something, and I was, we were talking about a situation, and I was being positive, and she looked at me, and she goes, Chad, you were such an optimist. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, and I said, I'm like, do you remember, like, a year ago, this is what you said? And she smiled, and she's like, yeah, I did. I was like, yes! <laughs> it can work. I just share that with you, because even in the first group, I just wanted to say, like, as Christians, we should be some of the most thankful people in the world. It doesn't mean our life's perfect. Don't get me wrong. Life's not perfect. But there is a reason to be thankful. I'm thankful this morning that I woke up in a house. I have a house. I'm, I'm thankful that I, 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 I haven't eaten this morning. I usually don't eat Sunday mornings. But I'm thankful that I have food to eat. I'm thankful that I have coffee. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> But do you know, so two and a half years ago, roughly, um, became the lead pastor at Bethel Church. And this was Pastor Charles, if you're wondering where he is this morning, not another staff member has gone. Um, he is actually over at the golf course, let me explain. <laughs> One of our church people are getting married right now. And so he's over there. Um, and so he's with them. And um, it was a lot more interactive because I'm going to talk about him for a moment, but most of you at least know him a little bit. Um, so two and a half years ago, I became the lead pastor. What's unique about that is for three years, I worked for Pastor Charles, and so now for two and a half years, he has worked for me. The rarity of that in churches, let alone just in the POC churches, I can tell you at this moment, I could count on one hand if I lost fingers, how often it's actually happened. That's not a bragging point for us. It is a point of when people ask us all the time, they, they ask us, our district asks me, different leaders will ask me, and they'll ask Pastor Charles, hey, how's it going? How's it going? And I love the fact that I, these are my words every time. I say, you know what I love? I love the fact that I don't have to lie to you right now, and I can tell you that it's amazing. And I can tell them that I would never, I couldn't envision doing this without Pastor Charles here. I couldn't envision um, pastoring Bethel. I couldn't envision doing the transition with anybody else. I couldn't envision it but with Pastor Charles. And so as we talk about it, as Pastor Charles and I talk about it, here's the thing, and people ask us all the time, so what did you do? What, like, how did you do it? How did you make this work? How did you piece this together? And yes, there were some strategic things we did that were great, but it wasn't anything strategical that really made it happen. Here's what makes it happen. We know each other's hearts. We know each other's hearts. And when you know somebody's heart, do you want to know what automatically comes with that? Trust. Trust automatically comes when you know somebody's heart. If I know somebody's heart and I know their heart is for me, see, here's the thing I know about Pastor Charles. If he comes into my office and he says, hey, Chad, can we talk for a minute? I've seen a couple things. I got a concern or anything like that. I am wide open, ears open, want to know what he has to say, and here's why. Because he wants me to succeed. He wants Bethel to succeed. So his heart for me, there is nothing there but love, encouragement, and loving to see what God does. That is why 
I get to do what I do. And we love one another. I know his heart for my family. He knows my heart for his family. It comes down to just this love for one another. So why do I share this? Why do I tell this? Because when we walk with God, the more we know God's heart, the more we will trust him. The more we know God's heart, the more we will trust him. And so the more that you understand how much God's heart is for you, it's so much more that you will just open up and trust him. When you understand that God wants to bless you, he wants to bless your family, he wants to bless your marriage, he wants to bless your job, he wants to bless your workplace, if you own a business, he wants to bless your business, he wants to bless all of you. When you understand that, you begin to trust more. Now, it doesn't mean, again, that everything's perfect, but even in the midst of it, you can trust that he still wants the best for you. So you hang on to that. You walk with him. You know how much that he loves you and the, watching him do things. When we know God's heart, there's trust. See, Psalms 103 verse 7 says this, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. I want you to look at that. He made known the way, his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So people of Israel knew what God did, but Moses understood why. So what God was doing, Moses understood his ways, what he was doing. Just, not just the activity, but the thought process behind it. See, there's a lot of us that we know God by what he does, but we don't know who he is. I did this a few uh, a little while ago. I don't know if it was a year or so ago. Everything's blurry, but um, I can put people's pictures up on the screen right now. If there were celebrities, I could throw some pictures up there, and I would ask you, who is that? And you would tell me their name, and I would ask you, tell me about them, and what would you tell me? You would tell me what they do, because you don't know them. So even though I want to know about them, you will tell me everything that they do. And the reason why is because we don't know them. But if all of a sudden I put it up on the screen, put a face up there, and somebody in the room is like, you know, hey, who is that person? You're like, oh, it's a celebrity. It's a movie star. Oh, who are they? Well, they were the ones that played this person and this person and this person and this person. It's great job description. But all of a sudden somebody in the room is like, hold on, hold on. I know him. He's actually a great husband. He's a great father. You know what? His heart is for his kids. His heart is for the community. You know what? He makes sure that he does this with his kids every time. He makes sure that he doesn't miss a ball game. He makes sure that he doesn't do these things. Or he makes sure that he does these things. Now you're starting to know his heart. So you begin to understand him. Are you following this? Are you understanding? We, most of us as Christians, we understand what God does, but we don't understand who he is. And I believe God is calling us into a relationship where we know his heart, where we understand not just what he does, but who he is. Do you realize that when God heals somebody, it's amazing. We love it. It's incredible to watch him heal people, but he doesn't just do it for a healing. There's more of a reason than that. Maybe somebody in the room just needs a reminder that God still heals. So the purpose of the healing is to remind people he's a healer. 
Sometimes when God gives you a provision, when he provides for you in a miraculous way, it's not just to meet that need, it's to remind you that he's your provider. How many people have ever been driving downtown looking for a parking spot? Right? Driving downtown, you're looking for a parking spot, you finally find one, and you clue in, I have no change. Anybody? I actually love the new meters because I always have my wallet, but I don't always have change. So now you're getting out of your car, and what are you doing? You're praying two prayers, three actually, three prayers. One, just let there be time in the meter. Two, let me find a dime on the ground. Three, let the meter maze be on coffee break. Those are the three prayers. Now, how many of you got out and there's still time on the meter? How many have ever got out and found change on the floor or on the ground? Anybody? Okay. How many people have just banked on the fact they're on lunch? (laughs) Right? Now, how many of you took time to thank God for any three? You didn't have money. You didn't get a ticket. You found money or there was still time. So you took time to pray. Perfect. Did you ever ask God why he answered the prayer? He just loves us. Most of us don't take the time. You ask God, God, why? And I know it's something simple, but if you ask on the simple things, guess what? You'll ask on the big things. God, why was there time in the meter? Maybe his response to you is this. I just needed to remind you I'm your provider. If I care about the meter, how much more do I care about your mortgage? If he cares about the birds, how much more does he care about you? How much does God care so much about us? But here's the thing. We have a hard time celebrating the little things. Do you realize that I believe every believer in this room praying for a revival to happen, praying for God to have a powerful move and just to begin touching people's lives? Here's just some news for you. People who give their hearts to the Lord for the first time or recommit every Sunday. When revival happens, salvations happen. That's something to celebrate. When people give their hearts to the Lord, we should be celebrating. At the end of a prayer where, we lead, where I lead everybody in a prayer, and all of a sudden I'm like, and repeat after me, and we pray a salvation prayer, and then I say, amen. I shouldn't have to say, hey, let's give these people a hand, because here's what's happening. There's a party in heaven already happening. We should just join in. But we don't celebrate what God's doing. We don't see it. We're blinded. See, when God does miracles, the biggest miracle he ever can do is save a soul. Now, here's the other thing that's happened. People get healed in our services. It can be a shoulder, it can be an elbow, it can be a back, it can be a knee, it can be an eye, it can be whatever. And when I ask people, hey, how does it feel? Pain is completely gone. The room's silent. But yet we're praying for God to raise the dead and get people out of wheelchairs. When we're faithful with little, we'll be faithful with much. We should celebrate everything. There's times when God does a miracle and we don't celebrate, and here's what I think we're doing. 
I think sometimes we're sitting here and all of a sudden, I'll pick on Pastor Charles, he's not here because I did it in the first service too. All of a sudden we look over and we're like, oh, Pastor Charles, your back's better. Yep, like how much better? 100% better. Look, I can touch my toes. Wow, that is a miracle by God. I think there's people in the room that go, well, how bad was his back actually? Wow. I hope we don't think that way. I know in other churches, pastors have told me, hey, this is what people have told me. When people get healed, they actually question how much they got healed. Really? But we want God to do greater things. We're not faithful in the little things. When God moves, we need to be thankful. And the more thankful you are, you want to know what happens? Your walk with God gets more exciting. Because when he does little things and you celebrate it, guess what happens? you begin to look for other ones. Pastor Charles did a series a couple years ago. It was called God Sightings. I believe with your walk with God, if it is engaging with God, engaging with the Holy Spirit, you will see God Sightings everywhere all the time. And the more God Sightings you see, guess what you look for? More God Sightings. Because when I begin to see God in small things, like a parking meter, I begin to see God things, God things in big things when I get close parking spaces because I hate walking. I begin to see God in things where all of a sudden I'm going through the drive-thru and they just say, hey, the person in front of you paid for you. Yes. Now, please don't be the cheapo. Pay for the person behind you. That's the way God works. Pass it on. But the way it works is God just beginning to thank him, begin to give him praise, begin to be going, God, you are amazing. Now, here's the tough thing. There are times where he doesn't answer prayers. And a lot of us ask then, God, why didn't you answer this prayer? Two things to that. One, You can ask God why as much as you want when he doesn't do something. Sometimes he won't give you the answer. And the reason he won't give you the answer is if he gave it to you, you might not like it. But here's what happens when you ask God when he doesn't answer a prayer. You ask him for his presence because you will always like his presence. When something bad happens, you're like, God, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen? Sometimes, I don't know about you, I don't want to know why. I don't want to know why. Because what if the why was, Chad, you messed up? I don't want that answer. I don't want that answer. I don't want to know, hey, Chad, the reason that didn't work out is because remember when you prayed about it back here and I said no and you just prayed multiple times until you got what you thought was the right answer, you just convinced yourself it was the right answer, you didn't listen to what I said, and you just went and did it anyway? Oh, that time? Which one, actually? That's why it happened. But see, here's the neat thing with God. When I moved here, I blew up my ankle and um, needed surgery, and I fully believed that God was going to heal me. Um, I, the same, it was my ankle, but that same foot I broke when I was in grade 8, and within a week he healed it, and I was running on it, and I was fine. So you can ask Pastor Charles. When it happened with my ankle, and I was in a cast, and I had to go for surgery, I was believing this is not going to happen. A friend of mine, he had an x-ray right before his surgery. They went in, they opened him up. The 20 minutes before to when they opened him up, complete healing. So I was declaring and believing, oh, if I have to go into surgery, this is what's going to happen to me. What happened to him, that's the same thing going to happen to me. I woke up out of surgery and had a cast from my toe to my hip, and I went, God, what did you do? And I remember getting in the car the very next morning, and I asked God this question. God, why did you choose not to heal me? 
See, understand, I never questioned he could do it or couldn't do it. I asked him, God, you chose not to. So why did you choose not to? Now, like I said, he doesn't always give us an answer, but this one he did, clear as day, felt it in my heart, felt him say, Chad, I need to slow you down. I need to spend time with you. And immediately I was like, oh, is my head that thick that this is what has to happen? Don't, don't agree with that. <laughs> that this is what has to happen for you to spend time with me, for me to understand. And I'll agree, I'll tell you, there's many times my head is that thick that God has to like hit me and go, time. So there's moments in our lives where God will speak, but here's the neat thing. He spoke to me to remind me, Chad, you're not slowing down. You're not spending time with me. I want you to know my heart. Now I pray and ask God every day, please, if you need to tell me that again, can you just like send a pigeon? I don't need to be in a cast. But there's times in our lives where we walk with God and we need to know his heart and he's going to speak to us. And when he does healing, he does it for a reason. And when there's the reason, we understand why. When he does miracles, we understand he's doing it to draw us closer to him. The question that we have to ask ourselves is that are we thankful with God? Are we willing to know him more? Or are we satisfied with what God is doing more than knowing who he is? Are you happy and satisfied with what God can do for you more than who he is? This is the question you have to ask yourself. Do you want to know him or are you just happy him doing stuff for you? See, Moses had one of the closest relationships with God. His face glowed. They talked as a friend, talked to a friend. But he knew God's heart so much so that Moses didn't want God's power. He wanted God. Realize this in Exodus 33, 15, it says, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. We have to realize that in this very moment, if you go back in uh, chapter 33 and read verses 1 to 4, God is saying, I'm going to send an, my, an angel with you into the promised land, but I'm not going with you. You know what stood out to me as I was preparing for this? This is the interesting thing. When you read that, it says in the first uh, verses 1 to 4, it says, um, I'll send an angel with you and he will drive out and it rhymes off all the people that live there. So the angel would have driven everybody out of the land. Moses says, no, 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 no. Don't send us unless you go with us. Eventually, when the Israelites got to the promised land, they had to do the work and drive them out. This is what blew my mind as I read this. The angel was going to do it, but with God, they had to do it. Little stretching, little thought process. It has nothing to do with my message, but just a side note. It just threw me. It was like, oh my goodness. With God, he had to do it. Without God, the angel would have done it. But he said, even though we get the promised land, we don't want it without you. Moses would choose the wilderness with God than the promised land without him. How many of us would do the same? How many of you would give up the dream home, the dream car, the dream job, the promotion you've worked so hard for? How many of you would give up the relationship that you're in? How many of you would give it all up if God said, I'm not going? You've worked so hard for this promotion. You can have it but I'm not going with you. You can have the new house. Yep, you've, done, you've 
dotted your I's, you've crossed your T's, you can afford it, you can have it. But I'm not living there. You can afford the car, you can have the car, but I just want you to know I'm not driving in it. You can have the relationship, you can get married, but I just want you to know I'm not with it. Would you be willing to give it up? Do we actually pray about it? God, we've been praying for a new job. I've been praying for a promotion. I've worked my tail off. All of a sudden, the door is open. This must be you. Do we stop to ask if it's him before we go through? Because see, sometimes what makes earthly sense is not what God wants. But Chad, I worked real hard for this. I get it. And from my understanding, none of you in the room are up for a promotion. So if you are, I have no idea. And I'm just staying on one just for the illustration. But even though it makes sense, even though all of your family and friends are in, your pastors are like, yeah, go for it. It's what God has for you. Have you asked? Because the one thing I know is I can never tell you what God has for you. He tells you. He tells you. Not me. Not me. He tells you. But are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm going to stay where I am. I'm going to stay where I am. God's heart is more important than a new home. God's heart is more important. And we don't know God's heart. If we don't know God's heart, we'll miss him. You will miss him speaking to you. We can't hear his voice if we don't know his heart. The Bible tells us that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. Do you realize Moses knew God's voice? He knew his heart. He had one encounter with him at the burning bush, and it changed his whole life. How many people realize Moses met with God face to face? Moses did so many miracles, it was unbelievable. Like, do you guys, how many people remember some of the, like, I don't want to say tricks because that's wrong, but some of the miracles that Moses could do? Anybody remember? You realize that he could show you his hand, go like this, pull it back out and it's leprous. Go like this, pull it back out and it's clean. That's a dude you want at your party. <laughs> right? How many of you go for a walk around the river? Okay. I, I'm lazy and I go for walks around the river. Come on, guys. Let's go for walks around the river. But how many of you, when you walk around the river, how many of you have a stick? Anybody have a walking stick or one of those ski pole things, which I don't really understand, but... If you do, I deeply apologize. Um, but how many, anybody, anybody like walk with a stick or a ski pole? Same thing. Nobody in the first one either. Wow. How many kids walking around the river pick up a stick? Bear, bail me out here. Thank you. You bailed me out. My illustration is going to work. Thank you. All right. Imagine this. Imagine this. Your kid picks up a stick. Now, kids, if you pick up a stick around the river, can I just help your parents out now? You're helping me out. I'm going to help your parents out. Don't try to take the stick home. You probably have enough sticks at home. Do you know how many times I find sticks in my car? Why is this in my car? It was their walking stick. I don't care. <laughs> your parents care. They're much more loving than me. No, they don't. But can you imagine your kid is walking with this stick, and all of a sudden you're like, just throw the stick down. No, no, I'm bringing it home. No, no, just drop it. No, no, God said this is my stick. I'm bringing it home. Yeah, God said so. Drop the stick. And all of a sudden, your kid throws a stick down. It turns into a snake. I don't know about you. Don't like snakes. Freaking out. 
And all of a sudden, like, my kid's like, no, no, don't worry about it, Dad. Picks it up, and it's a stick again. This is what Moses could do. Because of an encounter with God. Now, here's something. Do you realize? Moses probably had this stick for at least 40 years that he hit the sheep with. Do you realize that? He would have had this stick for 40 years, probably, give or take. I don't know if they got a new one every couple of years or what. Like, bear with me, right? But he's had a staff for like 40 years. That's how long he's been looking after sheep. So as he's walking with this staff, this normal stick, don't ask me why, but I'm pretty sure there's a stick in the office. I should have brought it. But anyway, total squirrel. Um, and he's walking with this stick, and he throws it, and God says, drop it. He drops it, it turns into a snake. He picks it back up, it's not. This was proof that God was with him. Here's what I learned from this. If you have an encounter with God and you learn to know his heart, he will take something you've had in your life for 40 years and when he anoints it, he will use it for mighty things. You don't need to try to find something new. It's already in you. He just needs to anoint it. Either you're processing that or you've totally missed it. Because there's things in you that you've had your whole life. Then you just have an encounter with God and you get to know his heart and you'll be amazed what he does with the gifts you already have. There's parts of your personality, your DNA, just who you are, how you operate, how you think are meant to do mighty things for God. You just need to give it to him so he can anoint it. It wasn't until my late, or how old am I? It wasn't until my mid-30s that I finally clued in to the things that God put in me from a kid that people thought was wrong with me, but he actually called me to be a leader, and that's what it was in me. And so I'm very careful on how I interact with kids, because what we see as a negative could actually be leadership. And the way that I was spoken to and told what to do because of the leader in me, it took me to my mid-30s to realize I wasn't screwed up. Not fully. Those parts were for leadership. Other parts we're still praying about and working on. But God will take the things in you that are already there and anoint them and use them for his good. But if we don't know God's heart, we will not recognize his voice. John 12, 27 says this. Now my soul is in trouble. This is Jesus speaking. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, no. It was for this very hour, for this very reason, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there, the crowd that was there and heard it said it, was, it had thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. So there's a crowd there. Three different groups of people hear this. One is Jesus. The crowd is split in half. We'll say half. I don't know the statistics. It doesn't say. The crowd that was there and heard it said it thundered. So there are people like us. When God speaks, we go, oh, there was something wrong with the sound system. Others say, no, no, God was speaking. The ones who know God's heart, look at Jesus. He knows his Father's heart. Not only does he hear the voice and what it said, but he knew who it was for. 
When we know God's heart, we will hear his voice and the purpose behind it. You want to know God's heart so when he's speaking, you don't just go, oh, God said this. Well, who's it for? I don't know. No, you understand his heart. You know what he's doing. So Jesus is able to say, the voice was for your benefit. Because they automatically assumed an angel spoke to him. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. An angel spoke, but it was actually to you. When we know his heart, we understand. Some people, we hear thunder. Some of us hear a voice, but we're not sure what it's for. Others that know the heart of God will know the reason behind it as well. John 3, 3 says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So when we want to hear his voice, understand what he's saying, and know his heart, we need to be born again. There's some of you in the room, if you've already received Jesus, the understanding for me is this, when I'm born again, my life changes. Realize, understand, this is for all the ladies in the room, because men, we have no idea, and I'm speaking totally out of turn. But when a baby is birthed, his life changes. He has gone from the warm, cuddly place to, I don't even have to feed myself, I am protected in here, to what just happened? Our life is changed. Our perspective changes. The way we feed ourselves changes. What way we live our life changes. So when we are born again, the responsibility now comes onto us that we train ourselves to hear the voice of God. We spend time reading His Word and we worship Him. And by doing that, we renew our minds and for looking at God in everything that we do. We look to Him for everything. See, Genesis 28, 16 says, When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Have you ever been in a worship service, and you're worshiping God, and you're pressing in, and you're just like, Man, God, I just want to feel your presence, and you look beside you, and the person beside you is like, weeping and just like praising God and they're like, man, the presence of God is all over them. Not that crying means the presence of God is there. But you know what I mean? Like you can just tell the presence of God is all over them. Nobody else. Okay, just me. But I have been in worship services and I'm standing beside Pastor Melissa and she's a worshiper. So automatically sometimes we're like, well, they're worshipers. So they're just more sensitive and they just feel the presence of God. No, no. We can all feel God's presence. And there are moments... I'm telling you, I'm standing worshiping beside Melissa, and I'm just like, God, I just need to feel your presence. Holy Spirit, just speak to me, encourage me, lift me up tonight. I just want to just feel you in my life and just strengthen me. And I'm like, man, I'm not feeling anything. Maybe, maybe, there's just, maybe it's the room. Like, what's going on in the room? I turn, and Melissa is just like soaking in his presence. And you're almost like... <laughs> and you're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. Now, here's the thing when it comes to worshiping his presence. We need to trust each other. If I'm trying to seek into God's presence and I'm like, maybe there's just something not happening in the room. Maybe it's not me. Maybe, maybe it's the worship team. Annette didn't sing my favorite song, so that's why. Sorry, Annette. And we're worshiping and we're just seeking his presence, but it's not happening. It's not moving. We're trying to figure it out. But all of a sudden, we look across the room and we see somebody else and we can tell, man, the presence of God is on them. So God, you're in the room. So Holy Spirit, bring my heart in connection with you. Holy Spirit, I know you're here because I see it on so-and-so. And if you're on them, then you're in the room and I just need to be in the right place. So Holy Spirit, show me. 
Um, any hunters in the room? Yeah? Good. If anybody owns a gun and wants to blow some stuff up, I'm, I'm interested. I got two offers in the first service, so I'm throwing it out now to see how many times I get to go shoot stuff. Um, sorry, again, squirrel. But if you're hunting with hunting dogs, here's what happens. A good hunting dog is trained that if they're hunting with multiple dogs, they're trained to trust the other dog. So if hunting dogs are running together and all of a sudden one stops and points, even though another dog doesn't smell it, they will stop and point because they trust that dog. Chad, are you calling us all dogs? Kind of. We need to trust each other. We need to trust the fact that if we're worshiping and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't really feel something. I don't know what's going on. God, are you moving? Are you speaking? What's going on? And I look across the room and I see one of you just basking in his glory and I'm like, okay, the presence of God is here, so Lord, what's going on? Sometimes, you know what I'll do? I'll move and sit beside somebody. I know it sounds creepy, but I will. If I'm sitting over here and I just feel like, man, it's just, I just don't feel the presence of God, but all of a sudden, like, this section just feels like God's moving or this section is, I will switch my seat. Because I don't know what's all wrong with you guys, but they got it, so I'm going over there. <laughs> just teasing. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm going to move to where I'm, gonna, where, it's, where I'm receiving it. And so when we know the heart of God, we'll trust other people. We'll trust that, okay, they know the heart of God. So if the presence is there, I'm just sliding over. I'm just going to get close. I want to get close to where the heart of God is so I can get some of it. Here's a promising, encouraging verse. Ezekiel 39, 29 says this. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. If you are looking for the face of God, if you are wanting to, to meet his heart and learn his heart, here's the wonderful thing. He promises that he will no longer hide it from us. He will no longer hide it. You just have to ask him. Spend time with him. Here's the dilemma in our society. We expect everything quickly. I was listening to a podcast by Chris Valentin. He said their stu student uh, school of ministry they have, he keeps having kids come to him and be like, I've been praying for this and God hasn't answered yet. What should I do? And his first question is, how long have you been praying? And they're like, three days. And he goes, my response every time is, pray for three more. And they say, well, what if, what if nothing happens? Pray for six more. We expect things so quickly. Now, understand me. If you give your heart to the Lord today and you pray for something, most likely God's going to answer it quickly. Why? Because he's revealing his character to you. The longer you serve God, guess what? The longer it takes sometimes. Why? Because he only cares about the new ones? No, no, he's not like other businesses. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, see, I kind of lost my train of thought, it was, but it felt good. Um, no, what he's doing for the believers who have served him for a long time, he wants to see if you trust his character. He reveals his character quickly when we first give our hearts to the Lord. If it takes a little more time, he just wants to see if we trust his character. Do you trust his character? Do you know what his character is? Do you know his heart? Do you trust his heart? If you trust his heart, you know that he has the best for you. He wants us to join him in what he is doing. Bill Johnson says this in his book, Face to Face, on page 93. He says, God is communicating with us and allowing us to see what he sees in order to invite us to know him and a partner in what he's doing. When you know his heart, you get to do with him what he's doing. It's so much fun when you get to see what God's already doing and you get to come alongside. 
You get to be a part of it. You get to just walk along and see what God's moving in and go, oh, yes, Lord, I'll jump in. God is doing so many little things right now. I won't explain a lot of them. Probably just this would be like one of those teaser things. But God is doing so many things in Stratford right now. Behind the scenes, underneath, he's getting leaders together, different pastors. We meet together. We talk together. We're all on the same page of what God is doing, what he needs to do. And God is opening up doors with other leaders in our community that I will tell you now, it's only God. But what he is doing, he's preparing for something, and it's just going to be amazing. But here's what he needs. He needs people like me, people like you, just to go, I want to know your heart, and I'm in. I don't have all the details. I'm in. God, I know your heart, so I trust you. I trust you. He wants you to know his heart. Seek his heart, not his hand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your heart. Lord, I thank you that your heart is for me. Your heart is for us. That, Lord God, when we know your heart, we get to see and understand what you're doing. Father, forgive me of the times I only sought your hand, that I only seeked what you could do for me, and I didn't seek to who you were. So, Lord, now I ask, show us. Show us who you are. Show us who you are, Father. When we see a miracle happen, when we see something small as a parking meter being full for us, that we ask, God, why did you do that for me? And, Lord, let us hear your voice just speak about how much you love us. And so, Lord, as we go today, keep us safe, Father. Protect us as we leave this place. Let us look for you in the small things. Let us look for you in the big things. But, Holy Spirit, let us just give you all the glory. And so, Father, I ask you to give us peace. Let us be a light for you. And, Lord, guide and lead us this week. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 